0: Good morning, church. Good morning, Reggie, Good morning, Reggie. and Rachel. Good morning. <laughs> all right, we're in Genesis chapter 27 this morning. This is our third week in Genesis chapter 27. We probably have at least one more week in Genesis chapter 27. But since it has been a few weeks since we've been in Genesis with Christmas and New Year's and all that, um, we better do a recap just so we can catch up. So you remember, though I'm pretty sure all of you have just been going back and going over the over the scriptures, right? To um, stay up with where we were, and I know you've all been doing that, right? So recap: back in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, when Rebecca was pregnant with twins, and they were fighting within her, must have been a fun pregnancy. She asked God, she said, what's, what's going on, right? What's going on with my pregnancy? What is going on within me? And God answered Rebecca and he told her this. He said, two nations are in your womb. She's probably thinking, I thought it was just like two children, two nations, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. That was a promise from God concerning Jacob and Esau. Now you're going to assume that this promise was passed down. And what I mean by that is that you assume that Isaac and Rebekah, right, told this promise to Jacob and Esau. Well, first you have to assume that Rebekah told Isaac. And you have to assume that they told the kids so that they grew up un- knowing, knowing this promise, understanding what God had said. Yet at the end of chapter 25, what does Jacob do? He tricks Esau into selling his birthright. And as Martin Luther put it, that is Jacob that was buying something that was already his and Esau selling something that didn't belong to him. It didn't need to happen, in other words, because God had already promised. There's already the promise, right? God doesn't need our help to fulfill his promises. What he promises, he fulfills. And he definitely doesn't need us to try and alter his plans for our own. Speaking of that, when we fast forward to chapter 27, the boys are older. They're over 40 years old now, at least. Esau is married. Esau has two wives. And within the family now between Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Esau, you see that there, that no one trusts each other now. And this whole family is now just like deception and and trickery and scheming all these years later. Because what they've done is they've substituted scheming for believing. And the family life has turned tragic rather fast, actually. Right? But it starts with the father. You know, when we started chapter 27, who did it start with? It started with Isaac, the son of Abraham. Old and blind Isaac. He's easily over 100 years old now. Now, Isaac and Rebekah had chosen favorites. Isaac had chosen Esau and Rebekah had chosen Jacob. And Isaac seems to be, at the beginning of the chapter, seems to be trying to circumvent God's promises, trying to bring forth his own desires. He understood what God had said to Rebekah. So he seems to be trying to circumvent that, trying to bring forth his own desires, and he hatches a plan to give the blessing to Esau instead of Jacob. And so he sends Esau off on the hunt. Right? Go out, kill some game, come back, cook it for me, the way that you do, that I like so much, right? And I'm going to give you the blessing in return I mean Isaac wasn't just old and blind physically when we, we talked about this he had become spiritually blind as well he was spiritually blind to the promises of God now Isaac was losing his ability to spiritually discern matters right at that point it seemed that he was double minded he was of two minds he was unstable in, in, in those ways he was being ruled among other things he was being ruled by his appetite right and It was a grievous error on his part. Well, somehow Rebecca overhears the conversation, and she's you know she was listening in, and she seems to have a plan all ready to go on her own, right? You get the impression she had this plan lying in wait, right? It was just it's premeditated, hundred percent premeditated. She didn't just come with this, right? She was just waiting for the perfect time to unfold it, right? Oh, what a tangled web we weave. So she calls Jacob over. She says, hey, I just heard what your father said to Esau is going to give him the blessing. Don't worry, I got a plan, right? And so she, she I have a bunch of your brother's clothes right here, I've been saving them. <laughs> and I can prepare the meal just like he prepares it. So go get a goat, right? And so put on these clothes, dress up like your brother. You know, we're going to put goat skins on your hands and on your neck because what was Jacob's worry? His worry was that they would get caught. It wasn't that they were doing something wrong. It was that he would get caught, right? The 11th commandment, thou shalt not get caught. So he was worried that they would get caught, but she says, no, I'm gonna prepare the meal for you. You're gonna dress up like your brother. You're gonna wear this whole disguise. I said the only thing he was missing was the little voice changer so he could sound like Esau, right? And you're gonna go in there and, and Isaac's gonna give you the blessing instead right? I'm not going to let Isaac give away the blessing that is meant for you, right? Now, both Rebecca and Isaac, what they should have done was just call upon the Lord, right? What they should have done is said, Lord, look what Isaac's trying to do. What should we do? And he would have told them not to worry because the Lord would have fulfilled his promises regardless of what happened, right? So they should have just called up they should have just called upon the Lord and sought out his will. But what you have here, spiritually speaking, is this blind leading the blind. Right? Rebecca was spiritually blind because through her deception, she had also blinded Jacob. But she was spiritually blind because she had deceived herself first. Right? She was deceived by a false gospel, which we would call the gospel of self. Right? And she was teaching this false gospel to her son. To, to Jacob because she wasn't following God's word. That's how come she's it, following the gospel itself because she was just being faithful to herself, right? She wasn't really being faithful to God's promises. And she isn't leading Jacob in the ways of the Lord either. She was operating out of fear. What was her fear? The fear that Esau would get the blessing and not Jacob, right? It was unwarranted fear. It was unwarranted. Had she trusted in God's promises, she would not have feared so it was unwarranted. So that brings us to where we are this morning, right? Jacob cooperating in this madcap, sad, disastrous scheme that's unfolding within this family. So we're going to start in verse 18 and we're going to read through verse 29. Actually, I'll back up a little bit. I'll start with verse 15 just for context. It says, And Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, and she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So she gave him everything he needed to be able to go in and deceive his father. And so he went into his father and he said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, "Uh, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, "Uh, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether or not you're really Esau. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau hands. So he blessed him and he said, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob answered him, I am. And then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. And so Jacob came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this message, and I pray, Lord, that your spirit speak to us, and that we can apply this, specifically in the day in which we live today, the truth that we can learn from this chapter, a truth of how not to be and how not to act in the midst of the world. So we just pray, Lord, that you just speak this to us, and you just work this out in our hearts, Lord, and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start with a joke minister told his congregation, he said, next week I'm going to be teaching a sermon about the sin of lying. Oh, that's what we're going to be talking about. And he said, to help you understand my sermon for, for your homework, what I want you to do this week until next Sunday is I want you all to read Mark 17. So the following Sunday he prepared to deliver his sermon, and the minister asked for a show of hands. He said, all right, how many people this week read Mark 17? And the entire congregation lifted their hands up. And he said, great, Mark only has 16 chapters. <laughs> so I will now proceed with my sermon on the sin of lying. <laughs> We're speaking about lying this morning. Jacob the liar. Right, we've had Isaac, who was old and blind, and we've had Rebecca, who is very deceiving in her ways. It's a very dysfunctional family right now. God-fearing dysfunctional family, mind you. Just so you know that they're out there. You already knew that, probably. There was a recent poll done just this last year that said 53% of Americans said that they're pretty good at spotting when someone is lying to them. Are you good at spotting when someone's lying to you? Some people say it's really easy right, for them to be able to determine if someone's lying to you. Some people say it's not, very, it's not easy at all. It's hard. It, you can't discern the intent of the heart. In, very, in a lot of different matters, All right? I mean, there are times when your kids come up to you and they're just flat out <laughs> lying to your face. And you know from the moment the first word comes out of their mouth that they're lying. And you don't say a word. You let them say whatever it is that they are going to say and then you just look at them and you say, really? All right? What do they do usually? Head goes down. There's kind of breakout in a smile, is what they do because they know they can't pull this off. They were going to try, but you know, you determined really quick that they were trying to pull a fast one on you. They say that the average American lies four times a day and is lied to six times a day. <laughs> 54% of Americans state that though honesty is very important to them, at the same time, they admit that they feel like they are lied to more than they used to be and that they lie more than they used to. And what, So what this poll shows, really, is that we value truth. We say it's important. But on the other hand, we lie every day. And we're lied to every day. I mean, 64% of Americans say it's okay to lie as long as you're not hurting anyone. I'll just say that dishonesty is not the best policy. See, one lie leads to another lie. We know this. Watch the news. right? Deception is only, it's often only defended by just more deception. I mean, any thief and liar who gets caught... right? When the facts get laid out right in front of them, here's the truth. This is what you said. Here's the truth. What's their answer usually? Is it, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I was wrong. I lied to you. No. I mean, that's not usually their answer. Do they repent? No. What they do is usually they lie and deceive some more to cover up the lie that you caught them at, or at least to try to, right? They answer lies with more lies, They cover sin with more sin. Eventually, you're going to get in over your head. You'll never be able to get out, at least not in the worldly view. There's a quote that says, what is a lie? It's just the truth in masquerade. Well, literally, the truth is in masquerade right here in chapter 27. Because Jacob masqueraded himself as Esau. Yeah. And he goes into his father in verse 18. I mean, it's one thing to talk about it, right? Your mom comes up to you, I got a plan. I'm going to dress you up as Esau, and you're going to go in, and we're going to trick your dad. Am I going to get caught? But it's another thing then to actually put on the clothes and to take the step in to go do it. So now he's going to go do it. Because once the die is cast, you got to play the part. Right? It's too late for Jacob to back out now. One thing lies require, lies require commitment. Right? In for a penny, in for a pound. Right? Jacob's got to go through with it. He doesn't really have a choice. So Jacob goes in to his father and he starts lying. What's the first thing he lied about? He lies about six things, at least how I break it down. You, know, you can debate me on that, it doesn't matter. He lied, you're not going to argue that point right? That's the first thing he lied about. He lied about his name. He lied about who he was, right? He goes in and he says, father, here I am. Right? And His father's like, who are you, son? His father was a little confused right off the bat. He says, I'm Esau. I'm Esau. I'm your firstborn. But he doesn't just stop there. He isn't just lying about his name, right? Look how he follows that up. He says, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me, Lie number two, you told me to go out and get the game and hunt and prepare the meal. I've done as you told me. Well, no, you haven't done squat, right? Now sit up and eat of my game. There's lie number three, right? I went out and caught this and I prepared it for you. Sit up and eat it so that your soul may bless me. Three lies just right out of the bat. I am Esau. I'm doing this out of obedience to you, like you asked. I've gone out and I've caught this deer or goat or whatever. I've prepared it for you. I mean, just lie, lie, lie. One right after the other. I've done as you told me. Here, Father, eat. Now, Isaac, you know, he was old and blind, but he wasn't completely stupid, right? His his spider sense... Right, was tingling, right? if this was a movie, you'd see woo, coming out of Isaac's head. He's like, something doesn't add up here. I'm not quite sure what it is. Right? This is why he's repeatedly questioning Jacob, right? who he thinks is Esau, or at least is pretending to be Esau. And each question you have to think strikes at the heart of Jacob because each question is a chance for Jacob to do what? To stop lying <laughs> and repent. Each question is a chance for Jacob to stop his deception. So he asks him the first question. He says, how is it that you found it so quickly? I mean, this is a record. I don't know how long it was, but right. But, you know, Isaac brings in Esau, sends him off. Rebecca overhears, calls Jacob, has everything prepared. Go get the goat. I'll prepare it. Oh, how long is all that going to take? It only took a couple of verses, but you know, how long is all that going to take, right? But it was quick so that when Jacob comes in and he's pretending to be Esau, Isaac's like, this is a record. How is it that you have found it so quickly and prepared it so quickly and are back so quickly? This is amazing, right? How is it? And, you, and then uh, one of the worst lies that Jacob can say, all right? This is one of the worst lies right here. He says, because the Lord your God granted me success. Jacob brought God into it now. He's bringing God into his deception. The Lord your God granted me success. And this is how Jacob is justifying his actions. I know God wants this for me. I know God promised this for me. So it's all right if I lie and deceive my father to get what God wants me to have. It's for a righteous cause. It's okay. He had the audacity to claim that God had granted him success. He credits God in the midst of his deception. In case you didn't know this, which I'm sure you do, But just in case you didn't know this, I'm pretty sure that using the Lord to cover up your sin could be blasphemy. Don't use the Lord to cover up your sin. Right? Never use the promises of God to justify our sin. Never. I think that's when Isaac was tipped off. He already sensed something was wrong. But I think that's when Isaac was really tipped off that maybe there was something else going on here. I'm just reading into it. The reason I say that is because remember what the Bible tells us about Esau? The Bible tells us that Esau despised his birthright, which meant he thought it was contempt and he held it in contempt. He thought it was worthless. It didn't mean anything to him, which is why it was so easy for him to sell it for a bowl of soup. And we also learn, of course, from the book of Hebrews that Esau was sexually immoral and he was unholy. He already had two wives that he took from the Hittites from the surrounding pagan nation. And the Bible tells us that those two wives made life bitter for Rebecca and Isaac. Esau does not sound like the person who would go off and get game and come back and give God credit for anything. Right? If Esau had gone off and gotten the deer and come back and it was quick, it was like he stepped outside the camp and there was a deer right in front of him. He's like, oh, hey, look. Kills it. Prepares it. Goes back in. His dad's like, wow, well, that was quick. What happened? I'm that's that good, Dad. Right? That's kind of the answer that you would have expected from Esau. I'm just a great hunter. What did you expect? You know? Esau's not going to be like, God granted me success. I think when Jacob says, your God granted me success, Isaac's like, Esau, that doesn't sound like you. That seems a little odd. Regardless, Isaac is unsure, though, without a doubt, that this is Esau. So he tells Jacob, he says, come forth. Come on, come close, right? I, I, I got to feel you, which was Jacob's big concern. Esau's hairy. His mom says, don't worry, I'll cover you in goat skin. You feel like a goat, But he feels him, and he's like, "Oh, it must be Esau. I mean, you, you feel like Esau, which I feel sorry for Esau, <laughs> if he actually felt like a goat. But he says, "You feel I mean you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. You, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob." So he asks him again, "One more time, he says, "Are you truly Esau?" And Jacob says, "Yes. Yes." I am, right? I think that's like lie number five. Yes, lying about his name again. I am. He probably said, I am, and then sighed, right? "Ah, Would I lie to you? Yes, I would, right? So Isaac eats the meal. He drinks the wine. And for the last lie, this is just a tragic one. Isaac asks for a kiss, and so Jacob comes near and he kisses him. And when he kisses him, Isaac smells his garments. And he says, oh, this is my son Esau. Right? But, but in that kiss, what is he lying about? He's lying about the love for his father. Because how do you love someone, or say that you love someone, and at the same time you're in the act of deceiving and lying to them? That was probably hard. I mean, it was very godfather of him. yeah. But it was probably very difficult for Jacob. I, I mean, we know who Jacob becomes. Jacob's life isn't over. God has plans for Jacob. But this must have been difficult to deceive his father in this way. He was dishonoring his father. It's what he was doing. With lies and deception. So I don't, I don't think Jacob was completely uncaring and heartless. So this had to be, in some ways, really tearing at Jacob's heart to to do this. But Isaac gives him the blessing. And he blesses Jacob. He blesses him with natural wealth and material wealth and uh, authority, political authority, if you read the blessing. Uh, may God give you the dew of the heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. And then in verse 29, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. This isn't just the present that he's blessing him. This is looking into the future when, when the seed is grown and the nations larger. And at the very end, curse be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. This is basically quoting the original promise that God gave Abraham back in Genesis 12. But when you read this blessing, just understand this. It wasn't the giving of the blessing upon Jacob from Isaac that made him blessed. That isn't why Jacob was blessed. Jacob was blessed because God chose him long before right, he was born. God gave the blessing. God gave the blessing to Jacob before Jacob was born. It had already been promised to Jacob by God, Jacob would have received this blessing anyway, regardless of how all this played out. As I've said a couple weeks ago when we were going over this, even if everything played out differently, if it all ended up opposite of what it was, right? if the, no one tried to trick his, stop his, you know, if, if Isaac had given the blessing to Esau even, it wouldn't have mattered, because God would have fulfilled his promise as he said. Jacob would have still received the blessing that God is talking about. Scheming or no scheming. Which is really what makes this whole thing kind of sad. Is they went through all this scheming and deceptions and lies to get something they didn't need to get. Because God had already promised it to them. You're stealing something that God said he's already going to give to you. Right? That's what makes it so sad. So... You might have gone through this chapter so far, specifically this last thing here with this deception of Jacob and all these lies. And even with Rebecca and her deception and, and everything, you might be wondering to yourself, what the heck is going on in this chapter? I mean, this is a man of God. Isaac is the son of Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith. We're just talking a couple generations down the road and it looks like they veered so far off the path. You know? What is happening to this line, the promised line here? You know, what's going on? Why is God allowing all this deception? Why is he allowing all these lies? Why are they acting this way? I mean, when you read Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19, it says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, right? Haughty eyes, which is a reference to arrogance, a lying tongue, a lying tongue, oh, right? Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, which is just another way of saying a liar, because isn't every liar a false witness? And one who sows discord among his brothers. When you look at that in Proverbs, and yes, I know it hadn't been written yet and they didn't have the law and we don't even have a nation in Israel yet, but when you look at that and you look at God's word, because God's word doesn't change. We, if we read the Bible and we look at everything that he says about lies and what he thinks about lying, he's pretty clear cut. Right? God's word is pretty clear cut. Don't lie. Right? Don't lie. So when you look at all that and then you compare it to this chapter, you think, how many of those things did they break right here just in this chapter? I mean Proverbs 12:22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. But yeah, here they are lying and scheming and getting, you know, basically stealing the blessing that what that God had already promised to Jacob that they didn't need to steal. And it seems like almost as if it's being honored. Their deception and lies are being honored. By God, There are many instances throughout the Bible right, of godly men who accomplished the will of God through less than godly ways. Right. People who even lied and deceived. And it would seem that God blessed those lies and that deception. I mean, just a couple of examples. Rahab lied in protecting the Israel spies. The Hebrew midwives lied and deceived The Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, right? And he wanted to kill all the infant males. And it says that God dealt well with the midwives, which means that he was pleased, right, with their deception. Obviously, it saved lives. So there are trickeries and deception and lies. Again, it comes back to the intent of the heart that God honors depending on how they're done and what they're done for. Right? And that's just a couple of examples. Now, one question you might ask yourself when you're reading this chapter is that, well, whose sin was the worst? And I know when you, as soon as you ask that question, you're opening up a can of worms. But you say, like, whose sin was the worst? Was it Isaac and Esau? Or was it Rebecca and Jacob? I said a few weeks ago that I have no doubt that Rebecca thought she was doing the right thing in the sense that uh, she felt that there was no way that that blessing should be given to Esau, and she needed to protect it to make sure it got, was given to Jacob, okay? And she convinced Jacob of the same, which is why he so willingly went along with the deception, Now, I'm not 100% convinced of this myself, but possibly Rebecca thought when she told Jacob, if you go back and remember what she told Jacob when she was telling him about her plan, he says, well, you know, what what if I get caught and I get a curse, right? What if my father curses me instead of blesses me because I get caught? And she tells him, let your curse be upon me, son. Right? It's possible that Rebecca thought that whatever judgment came her way or came their way, because of this deception and these lies, it would be better than what might be coming to Isaac and Esau. Because what were they doing? They were opposing God's will. God had clearly said that the older would serve the younger. And it would seem that Isaac was trying to circumvent that. So she might have even been thinking, listen, if we don't do this, there is some bad judgment that's coming down for Isaac and Esau. We need, we need to protect them and we need to protect you. I mean, I know some people who teach it that way. Right, they were, at least Rebecca and Jacob were trying to help God. Well, Again, God doesn't need your help. Right? Dishonesty is not the best policy. Leave the Lord's decrees in the Lord's hands. He'll see it through. Was God pleased with their deception and lies? Is any father, is any good father pleased with the deception and the lies of their children? No. No. Are you pleased when your kids you catch your kids in a lie? Right? But here's the thing, same with you and your kids, you love them. You love them. God loved Rebekah and Jacob. God loved Isaac and Esau. God loved them. And he's going to deal with them graciously in the sense that they're just not going to fall over dead because of this treachery and deceit. God will still see his purpose and promise fulfilled regardless of their lies and their deception. The blessings that God has for you has nothing to do with your actions. Has everything to do with Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one else, right? Don't be deceived. So God may not have sent fire down from heaven to smite them or drop them dead like Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. Because you read things like that and you're like, well, why didn't that happen here? Well, it's for reasons that only he truly knows. But they didn't get off scot-free. See, this may look like success from the viewpoint of Jacob and Rebecca. They got what they wanted, but there are no happy endings with this family. I mean, the fallout from this is far from done. There are consequences to their sin, just as there were consequences to Abraham and Sarah trying to help God out through the marriage with Hagar. Right? It didn't stop God from blessing Abraham, but there were long-reaching consequences from the birth of Ishmael. There are consequences to their sins. right? Their choices have consequences. And we will see it next week. Make sure you come back. There's a quote that says, don't tell me any lies unless you're absolutely sure. I will never find out the truth. Let me just give you a little sneak preview, right? Hashtag they found out the truth. The truth was found out. So, what do you need to take from this? What is this teaching us? Obviously, this whole chapter has been a lesson for us on how not to be. Right, Ways for us not to be spiritually blind about things. Ways for us not to be deceived. You know, for us to be discerning. Using godly wisdom, God's word, to help us understand what's going on and how to go about things. Especially in the days in which we live here today. So, what can we take from this for ourselves? Well, Colossians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 9 to 10 says this. It says, do not lie to one another. All right? Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. It's real simple. Don't lie. It's real simple. It's a very, there's a very valid reason why God does not like lying. All right? It's very simple. Because when you lie and when you deceive, you are doing the work of Satan. And you're like, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that because of what I just said a few minutes ago. But remember, Jesus, when he was speaking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, he says, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and it does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. See, Satan is the father of lies. And if Satan is the father of lies and you spend all your time lying, then who's your father? There's a harsh reality. Satan told the first lie that's recorded in the Bible, right? When he was speaking to Eve in the Garden of Eden, he questioned the truth of God's word. He questioned, you know, he contradicted God's word. And he has never stopped. He's he's never changed his playbook. It's pretty much the same, right? He makes you question God's word. He contradicts God's word. He deceives you. He lies to you about God's word. And with that, of course, you know that Eve sinned, and then Adam sinned, and sin just on down to you. And the wages of sin is death, and we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And for us, as Christians, for those who have given their life to Christ, we found Jesus, the hope of our salvation, our righteousness, found in Christ Jesus. And the one thing we know from our own testimonies and from our old self, and our old lives, the one thing we know is that lies are a weapon that Satan uses against the children of God, but not just against the children of God, against everyone, worldly speaking, against everyone in the world, right? He uses it everywhere to lead people away from their salvation. It tells us that in 2 Corinthians, the God of this age, which is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus. Right? Of Christ Jesus. So he uses lies like, there is no God, and and, God doesn't love you, or your good works are enough, or you can purchase your way into heaven. And sometimes you hear those lies from people up front, behind the pulpit. Right? Benny Hinn... (laughs) You can buy, you know, just keep donating more money and you'll be righteous and you won't have any more problems and you'll have no more financial problems. And I won't either because you keep giving it to me. Satan masquerades, masquerade, right? Jacob was masquerading as Esau. What does Satan masquerade as? He masquerades as an angel of light. What does that mean? That means everything he says sounds good and often seems right. But yet, it's a lie. It's a lie that we often fall into, that we often believe. We're living in a world of lies. In a world of deception. Right? Where they just lie straight to your face to get them to do whatever it is they want you to do. And then later we'll tell the truth at midnight when you're sleeping. So you didn't hear that press release come out. I've made ten million more jobs. Midnight. Actually met ten thousand. Sorry, number was off. I'm gonna reduce your I'm gonna get rid of all your debt or all your school debt later. Oh, it's unconstitutional. They know they're telling you lies at the beginning. They know what they're lying to you about. They're just going to keep on lying. We're living in a world of lies. We're living in a world of lies. And we cannot be children of lies. We cannot be liars. For us as Christians to be liars, to be okay with the idea of lying, right? Remember like the poll. Well, 60 some odd percent feel it's okay to lie, as long as you don't hurt someone, right, it should never really be okay. Now again, I know this is a sensitive subject when it comes to lying because we all have our own justifications, but you know, there are instances as I've said, biblically speaking, where godly people lied and deceived people to do God's will. I'm not going to say there wouldn't be moments like that where you have to do things like that it has to, comes down to the intent of the heart, right? What we're talking about is people who are always just willfully lying. It has nothing to do with God's word. Matter of fact, it's the opposite of God's word. And their whole intent is to deceive you and to trick you into believing these lies. And, and at the root of it all, it's satanic because it's really just trying to t- get you away from Christ. And get you away from the truth of God's word. Right? So for us to be okay with the idea of lying, to not be concerned with the idea that most people today feel like they're being lied to, or claim that they lie more than they ever used to, yet really what they want is the honest truth. If we're not concerned with that, then what are we concerned with? Right? I mean, if we're going to play with the same tools that they play with, then we're just playing Satan's game. We don't need to be out in the world lying like the world is. Those are the practices of our old self, the Bible tells us. When we do that, when we're lying, we're just bearing a false witness. We're just bearing a false witness when we should be speaking from the truth of God's word. We should be truth tellers. We should be the ones pointing people to the absolute truth. Because truth is relative today. They don't want you to know there's an absolute truth. There is one. Jesus. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. His desire is that all people repent and be saved. Guess what? For that to happen, what do they need? They need the truth. They need the truth. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Jesus says. Lies, what do they do? Lies only put people in bondage. And if we... The body of Christ can't tell the truth. Then who is telling the truth? Is anyone? What truth are people hearing if they aren't hearing the truth of God's word? Who will the lost hear the truth from? If The world is searching for truth and you know the truth then what should you be doing? You should be speaking it. You should be sharing it. So share it. All right? Let us love in deed and truth, right? Let us grow in truth. Let our lives be full of grace and truth. Let us testify to the truth of Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that... Your word tells us that nothing, nothing can come against it. So we should not be in fear of speaking the truth and standing up for the truth in the world that's just all about lies. Matter of fact, it should be our mission to do so because we know the world needs the truth. So we pray, Lord, that your spirit embolden us to be just that a light in the midst of darkness, proclaiming the truth of God's word. We thank you for this. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.